our new bestie has changed how we track our investments. Why have over 400,000 investors chosen ShareSite? It's simple. This online investment dashboard for your investment portfolio supports over 500,000 stocks, ETFs, and funds, plus integrated with more than 200 platforms, ensures your entire investment portfolio is organized and accessible in one place. Move beyond the limited insights from brokerage statements. ShareSite offers a comprehensive view of your financial performance, including analyzed reports, dividend gains, and the impact of currency fluctuations, all through intuitive graphs and visualizations. But here's the best part. For the investee besties out there, ShareSite is offering a special deal. Save four months when you purchase an annual premium plan. It's time to dive deep into performance metrics, streamline tax reporting, and share your portfolio with ease. Join the link in the episode description to sign up to ShareSite now and transform your investment experience. Welcome to Girls That Invest. You're joined today by your host, Sim and Sonia, two millennial investors who are here to help you learn about all things investing and personal finance. Hey, Sim, how's it going? Hey, Sonia. Nice to see you again. What have I been doing? I finished the manuscript for the book. That's pretty awesome. And now I just feel like I have so much more free time. We've just wrapped up our masterclass as well. And that has been awesome. Someone's feedback made me cry this morning, which was kind of embarrassing, but I I shared it with you. It's super cute. So I just realized all my life updates have just been work related, but yeah, that's kind of where I'm at. So what are a few things that you've done that are not work related that you've enjoyed? Okay. Thanks for like the intervention as always, but you know what? I have actually been enjoying a notion, which is like, it's like a free app that helps you organize your life and you can kind of like, like have like a list of like books you want to read. Or I made like a bucket list and I was like, what do I want to do with my life? That's not work related. And I was like, I want to touch an elephant. Like I want to, I want to ride on a hot air balloon. And so that was like, wow, like there's more to life. Who would have thought? I like how I said that in the first thing that you said was an organization app to help you keep track of the week. But it's also like to have bucket lists as well. You I know, know like- I'm kidding. Yes. <laughs> You're right. You want to touch an elephant, you know, sky's the limit. <laughs> there are no limits when it comes to you. Go big or go home. Exactly. Anywho, what are we talking about today? So this week we're actually discussing what's going on in the stock market, the kind of crash slash is it a crash that we're experiencing because we've had a lot of people reach out and be like, look, you know, the stock market's kind of, it's kind of being a little bit more volatile than we're used to, especially for people that have only invested in 2020, 2021, you know, now 2022, it's a little bit more up and down. And I guess the main question everyone has is, is the stock market going to finally crash? And I think it's a good topic to cover. So a good place to start would be to define a stock market crash. A stock market crash is a rapid and often unanticipated drop in stock prices. 
Thank you to our Saviour Investopedia for that definition. In terms of what the market needs to do to crash, there's actually no specific threshold for the drop, so it's typically defined as an abrupt double-digit percentage drop. One of the most prominent and dramatic examples of this was the 1929 stock market crash. Worry not for those of you who aren't familiar with this historical event, because I'm going to take you on a wee history lesson. The first six months of 1929... It was actually referred to as the Hoover bull market because at the time, Herbert Hoover was the president of the United States and jargon term bull market, it means that the prices of stocks are rising or they're expected to rise. So essentially, the first six months of 1929, a great time for the stock market and the economy. Then in September, October of 1929, the prices of stocks started to decline and eventually there's what is referred to as a free fall. So the wild rush to buy stock met the wild rush to sell stock and then there was panic. So the actual event that kicked off the 1929 stock market crash was Black Thursday. So October 24, 1929, the market opened 11% lower than the previous day's close. And for the next few days, it kind of returned to normal. But then the following Monday, which we now refer to as Black Monday, closed down 13%. The next day, Black Tuesday, fell another 12%. So these flow-on events eventually led to billions of dollars being wiped thus triggering the Great Depression. Now, the Great Depression, it was a severe worldwide economic depression and it took place mostly in the 1930s and it was the first and still the most famous example of a bear market. So a bear market is when the market falls by 20% from a 52-week high. few other examples of a bear market would be the dot-com bubble bursting in 2000, that actually wiped out approximately 49% of the S&P 500's value and that lasted till October 2002. Another example would be the housing crisis in 2007-2008. Those are some other good examples. But moving on from the past and on to more current affairs, Sim, can you please explain to us why the market is acting so rude recently? It is acting really rude. Basically, to understand what the stock or why the stock market moves, it's important to understand that there's these things called micro and macro factors. And I like to think of the stock market like Play-Doh and that the factors are kind of like hands in different directions that move it a little bit. And so it's not like there's one thing that like pushes it over the edge. It's not like you know, if interest rates rise, the stock market drops and that's the only thing. It's like the interest rate might, you know, push the market down a little bit, but then something else might push it up a little bit. And so there's all these different hands that are kind of pushing it around in different places. And right now there's more factors that are causing it to be more volatile than factors that are keeping it steady. And so there's a couple of ones I wanted to talk about. The first being, of course, geopolitical events. That is What's happening right now in Ukraine and Russia, there is, of course, a literal war that is happening and that is going to cause the market to act quite volatile. And there's this thing called the Geopolitical Risk Index or GTI. Oh, like GTI, like girls that invest. And it looks for words like war, 
military or tension in the news. So it kind of like scans for certain words. And it's basically telling us like, hey, look, the world is in a little bit more tension. This is going to cause the stock market to be more volatile. And the reason being is that when things like this happen, and of course it's devastating, like I want to preface, it's devastating for the people involved. Like nothing is more valuable than the lives of the people that are in those situations. And from a market point of view, companies just hold off making big announcements, big commitments. Like if they were going to release a new product or, you know, come up with like this world changing new device, like no one's going to care. Like if Apple was like, hey, we decided we'll release the iPhone 14 now, everyone would be like, there's a literal war happening. Like I don't care. And so, you know, they're not going to make that million dollar deal. They're not going to jump ahead and do those innovative things. And so that's going to weaken the economy, going to weaken trade, it's going to weaken production. And that's just one side of it. So as a result, stocks are going to get affected. In terms of geopolitical events in general, there's this thing called the war phenomenon. And if a war is predicted or expected, technically the stock market does better, which is kind of messed up, but the stock market actually reacts positively to that kind of war. But if it's an event or a war where things are not expected, like with what's happened with Ukraine, it's just going to cause the stock market to drop. And so that's obviously one really big thing. The second thing is the effect of interest rates and inflation. So there is this saying that if the US sneezes, the rest of the world gets sick. I don't feel like a lot of people are going to be using this phrase anymore after COVID, but it's the idea that there's this thing called the Fed in the US. They're called the US Federal Reserve and they're basically in charge of like monetary policies among other things, but in simple terms, they're like the group of people that say, hey, we're going to push interest rates up or they're going to be like, hey, we're going to put interest rates down and they're doing this to sort of handle inflation. So inflation is a thing that the price of everything goes up. Inflation was quite low in the last couple of years, so interest rates were low. Inflation is now really high, and so the Fed has come out and said, uh-uh, we are going to fix this. Like They were like, there is no way that inflation is going to run the way that it's running. We need to control it. So they're going to put the interest rates up. When interest rates go up, I know this is a lot of information, so like, stay with me here. When interest rates go up, that's bad for the stock market. Because if you think about it, if you're Google, if interest rates are up, it's going to cost you more to borrow money. So the debt that you have is going to be worse. It's going to cost you more to make your products. The inflation is going to cost you more to sell your products. And people are less likely to buy because oil is really expensive right now. And consumer products are really expensive. And no one's wanting to buy a new you know, Google product when it's hard to even get by with the basics. With like the geopolitical events, that's obviously very stressful. The market doesn't like that. And then the effect of the interest rates, basically the Fed was like, hey, we'll, we'll maybe increase it once or twice. And everyone got scared and a lot of people pulled their money out. And then people were like, no, actually, this is fine. Like we need it. And so the market kind of calmed down. And this was more late 2021, early 2022. And then the Fed was like, psych. We're gonna maybe we're gonna maybe increase it three times, maybe four times, you know, kind of in like a, a silly goofy mood, we'll see. And that really stressed out investors because they had already reacted poorly. They're like, what again? And so that spooked them even more. 
And so that caused a further drop. And then so for example, like the ARC Innovative ETF, which we've actually spoken about Kathy Woods and ARC before, she has an active investing portfolio and that has dropped half its value in the last 52 weeks. In the last year, it has dropped so quickly. And that's because when the Fed or when geopolitical events or any event affects the stock market, people throw out their speculative stocks first. So they throw out the ones that they, you know, bought like Tesla or Amazon or Google, that companies that they personally thought that they were just holding on because, you know, it just does well and tech does well. But if you don't believe in that company, that's the first one to go. And the, the third kind of big thing that's pushing the markets around is the effects of earnings season. So earnings season has kind of ended at the time of this recording, but it's the idea that every quarter or every once in a while, companies will come together and release their reports on how they have done. So they're like, it's almost like a report card where Amazon's like, we bet what people expected us to do, or we did worse than what the analysts expected us to do. And so based on those results, investors are either going to be like, yay, awesome, let's like invest more in that company. Mm-hmm. Or they're going to be like, oh, like that company's not going to do so well. And so Facebook, for example, in their earnings report released that they were scared of TikTok. They were basically like, look, we're not not the biggest social media platform anymore in terms of what's going to happen in the future. And people reacted poorly because that's the future. If someone is saying, I don't think we're going to be as big as we have been, that's a reason to pull out of the market. And so that's also causing volatility. And so it's almost like this perfect melting pot of all these different things that are going on. For business owners, every transaction is more than just a swipe of the card. It's the culmination of your hard work, dedication, and commitment to your customers. That's why I'm excited to share with you a game-changing solution that's simplifying the way businesses like yours accept payments. Introducing Tap to Pay on iPhone, powered by Stripe. Contactless payments has never been easier. You can seamlessly accept contactless payments directly from your iPhone. And the best part, there's no additional hardware required. Think about it. From local pop-ups to global retailers, tap to pay on iPhone and Stripe cater to businesses of all sizes, empowering them to accept payments right from their iPhones. It's a game changer for businesses looking to scale quickly and stay flexible with quick setup that takes minutes, not days. So how can tap to pay on iPhone and Stripe benefit your business? It's simple. Increased revenue, expanded reach and enhanced customer experience. It's a win, win, win. To learn more about how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can transform your business, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone today. I think that's a great segue into talking about stock market corrections. So a stock market correction is often just a temporary price reversal before the market continues, usually moving upwards. Now, when I first heard of this, I thought that something would have had to be like extremely wrong for an correction to occur like something catastrophic has happened and like the governments are like trying to correct everything that's happening but it's really not that dramatic and I think this is a case to or this is a testament to my overthinking or assuming before I know actual facts a stock market correction can actually occur when like the market's doing super good because if you think about it we've got all these people that are hyping up particular stocks and like investors are enthusiastic inflates the market and it could potentially put value on companies that aren't necessarily valuable, if that makes sense. 
Yeah, it's kind of like reeling it in. It's like, all right, everyone, we've had our fun, but like, it's like you're you're really not worth like a thousand dollars a share. Like, let, let's just kind of humble you a little bit. Yeah, I think we talk a good game about like not getting too emotional about stocks. And usually when we talk about that is when your stocks are doing poorly, but no one really talks about like, hey, what do we do in this hype? So this is one of those things where you need to understand that the stock market doesn't have emotions. You know, we're the ones putting emotions on the stock market and there are all these fancy things to keep it at bay. That's so true. And I do also want to point out that corrections are to be expected and they're normal. In fact, a correction happens usually every 16 months. So in terms of this correction, we're almost bang on with the timing. And there's been so many corrections that have happened that we have data to quantify it. So for each correction, it usually lasts about, you know, 71.6 days and the price usually drops about 15%. A normal correction we define as like 10%. So we're in a correction right now rather than a crash. A crash is like Sonia mentioned where stocks are dropping in double double digits. And when we say stocks, we mean stocks of the entire market, not just Netflix or Peloton or Meta. How do we handle corrections? How do we navigate through these turbulent times? Because I feel like the media do a good job of pulling people every which way, you know? Yeah. And like, you know, we almost can't blame them because that's their job. Like they want you to click on that article. And if the article is, hey, look, it's our usual correction every 16 months, you'd be like, cool, congrats. Like I'm just going to keep reading, you know, this other article. But if it's a if it's an article like, is the stock market crash looming? Or like, you know, the S&P 500 has plummeted 9% in three months. It's like, oh, that must be really scary. And if you don't have the financial literacy to back yourself up, you know, of course you're going to be like, that's, that sounds like a terrible thing. I need to pull all of my money out in the stock market. And the truth is with broad market index funds like the S&P 500, like the Dow Jones, even though that's not a very broad market, that's like 30 companies, they've all recovered from every single crash and correction that they've had. And so there's a few ways that I like to deal with market corrections. One is just remembering that history. Sure, like, you know, past performance can't guarantee future returns. You know, that's important. But it helps me sleep easier at night to know that so far in history, every correction, every crash has recovered. Not looking at my portfolio is also a really helpful way of not worrying about the market crash. Like, I'm sure you, Sonia, myself as well, have a couple of stocks or funds that are, like, not looking too pretty right now if you can't see it it doesn't exist you know well <laughs> that is not advice let's move on okay what's your next tip <laughs> the next one is don't panic sell and panic selling you know this comes from experience this comes from being there doing the dirty work we've all been there we've all panic sold but the idea is that yes the market will drop yes it looks bad if you see you know, XYZ stock down 10, even 20%. If it's a company that you believe in long-term, it's almost like a business. Like if you own the business of Google, would you sell it right now? Or would you see it in the sense of like, well, no long-term, 10, Mm. 20, 30 years, I do see this doing well. I'm not going to sell my entire company, you know, over a drop. And so 
trying not to panic sell and trying to move away from looking at your portfolio is usually a healthier way of dealing with market corrections rather than every day trying to see if it's going up or down. And then leading on to the last thing that I try to do is to actually buy more of what I would usually buy. So I have an auto invest setup where like every month or every week I put an X amount of dollars into the funds and the stocks that I'm after. If there's a crash or a correction, suddenly all those stocks and funds that I'd usually buy are cheaper, they're on sale, and so sometimes I'll keep a little bit of extra cash and drop some more money into the funds that I'm interested in, into the ETFs I would usually buy. Because if I was going to buy them anyway, and now they're worth you know, what they were in like October last year, then that's a sale to me. She's on sale. Can I just say that... Halfway through your explanation of like backing the media up, those of you who don't know, Sim is actually a stock market columnist now. (laughs) So spoken like a true writer, Sim. Thank you. Yes, I have to admit one of my articles is, is the stock market finally crashing? What all investors need to know. And here's me, like, as soon as those words came out of my mouth and you started speaking, I was like, oh, crap, she's one of those writers now. But you know what? If you read the article, nah, you, you do read a good the job. article, yeah. the clickbait's to get you to the article, but then the actual article is like, look, you're fine. It's fine. The, the title of the article is the clickbait to get you to read it, but I, I try and do a good job of breaking it down. There's no jargon and you leave feeling better and better off. Yeah. I think, look, we have to put some onus on the readers as well because I'll read like a headline sometimes and send you the article and I haven't read the actual article. Like let us also read full articles before forming an opinion, you know? I'm just really trying to crawl out of that hole I dug myself in. Anyway, I feel like this is a great place to wrap up. So essentially, is the stock market crashing? No. Why is the stock market acting so crazy? There's a couple of reasons. The war, the interest rates, the inflation, and also the recent stock market earnings season that we've just been through. And so there's, there's sure there's lots of like little small intricate things that kind of push it a little bit more here, a little bit more there. But those are the three main reasons. What have we learned from it? What do we need to do? Just keep on doing what you're normally doing. Invest the way you'd usually invest. The stock market will go up, it will go down, it will go sideways. You shouldn't have a reactive strategy to the market. You should have a strategy that you stick to and you can almost call it bulletproof and let it kind of continue regardless of how the market is moving. But of course, If you're finding it stressful, if you're uncomfortable, if it's stopping you from sleeping easy at night, there are some resources out there that you can reach out to, financial advisors, counselors. You know, if you are with a broker, you can reach out to them and let them know that you're not comfortable with this volatility. And all these professionals are there to help you through it and to try and put you on the right track so that the risk that you've taken on matches, you know, your values and you're not taking on more volatility than you're after. Before we wrap up, couple of things we love to hear you guys see you guys talk to you guys so join us on our instagram at girls that invest join us on our facebook group join us um, for any lives that we have on our instagram as well we'll be trying to incorporate a couple more of those and if you liked this episode 
definitely rate it. You can rate it on Apple. You can rate it on Spotify. You can put it on your stories. It's a great way for us to reach new audiences. Um, and we really thank you for all of you that already do that. Now, the disclaimer. Disclaimer. Girls That Invest does not provide personalized investing advice for your individual needs. We are not financial advisors. The advice from Girls That Invest exists for educational purposes only and should not be relied upon to make an investment or financial decision. Advice from Girls That Invest is general in nature and does not consider individual circumstances. Always do your research and please use your due diligence. All right, till next time. Bye. Bye.